Good morning. Turn over to Mark chapter 1. How do you define yourself? Who are you? What would you put on a resume? Somebody asked you to describe yourself in an interview. What would be the hallmarks of your life? What would be the things that you want them to know? Those, oftentimes you get opportunities to define yourself. Sometimes other people try and define yourself. You know, I'm, I'm on LinkedIn. I have kind of an odd LinkedIn uh, setup because, you know, you show your education and it's like graduate school in chemistry and then minister of the Church of Christ for 26 and a half years. And so LinkedIn doesn't quite know what to do with that, my educational background and then my current employment. So, you know, if you're on LinkedIn, you constantly get these messages. People have been looking at you. You know, you can upgrade to their pro version or whatever they call it, you know, pay money, and then you can see who's scoping out your LinkedIn page. But every once in a while, they go, these companies are looking at you for employment. Well, last week, I got one from Waste Management. So I called Mike, and I go, hey, Mike, your company is looking to hire me. LinkedIn just said so. And, uh, you know, so we laughed about that. But, you know... The world tries to figure out, how do I define this person? And we get little fragmented uh, bits of, of evidence. You know, we go to social media and we see what somebody's involved in. Then we see who their friends are and what their friends are involved in. And then we start forming our opinions. But, you know, in many ways, that's really not a definition of who you are this is kind of what you're doing right now. And there's two very different things. And I'll tell you a story. In 1802, there was a farmer named John Reed. Lived in North Carolina, had a farm. And for more than three or four years, he had a four-pound rock as a doorstop. Four-pound rock. And then a jeweler came by. And said, I'll buy that rock for $3.50. Well, that four-pound rock was a four-pound rock of pure gold. And so, you know, if you saw that rock on LinkedIn in 1801, or you saw pictures, or, you know, Facebook posts, things like that, you know, profession, doorstop. But what it was, was something far more valuable than a doorstop. You know, stopping that door from closing, from the wind slamming shut. That's just what it was doing at that moment in time for a few years. But a jeweler saw far more value in it than a doorstop. And that's kind of like our lives. Because point number one is Jesus made you. And he defined you. You know, when you make something, you have the right to define its intended usage. Uh, I like to fix things. I like tools. Uh, I can't afford snap-on tools, so I try and buy the best mid-grade level. 
But, you know, every once in a while you got a job to do, but you don't have the, the right tool. And so you're, you try and use another tool to accomplish the job that the specialty tool is using. And sometimes it works okay, sometimes it gets you into trouble. Because you do damage because you didn't have the right situation. You know, I wonder how often Jesus looks at our life and he sees you and he thinks about what he made you for. He thinks about his created intent and your purpose and the life that he has mapped out for you. I wonder how he feels about how we're using our life that he has made. And in Mark chapter 1, we see an interaction where Jesus is, is working on communicating the purpose and the definition for life. And in verse 14, chapter 1 of Mark, it says, After John was put in prison, Jesus went to Galilee proclaiming the good news of God. The time has come, he said, the kingdom of God is near. Repent and believe the good news. As Jesus walked beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come follow me, Jesus said, and I will make you fishers of men. At once they left their nets and followed him. The Bible records Jesus starts his ministry and he's, he's saying, repent, the good news is near, come on. Realize what life is all about. And then he saw Simon, or Peter and Andrew. And they were, they were fishermen. The Bible said, you know, they, they were casting their nets in the lake, for they were fishermen. Their life was defined as those who fish for fish. But Jesus looked at that life and he goes, I didn't create you to be a doorstop. Now, there's nothing wrong with fishing. But he goes, that's not why I created you. He goes, I created you for something far more important. And so the jeweler, Jesus Christ, comes along. And what we've been using as a doorstop for years, he instantly communicates unimaginable wealth. And he says, I will make you fishers of men. The Bible says that once they left their nets and followed him. Now, you read that, and don't, don't you wish your life was just like that? That Jesus communicated these radical things, and instantaneously you were like, poof, I'm on board with that. You know, sometimes the Bible gives us bits and pieces, and then sometimes it gives us a little more involved detail. Well, let's go over and look at Luke's account of the same thing, because there's actually more to the conversation that happened in Luke chapter 5. Verse 1, one day as Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret with people crowding around him and listening to the word of God, he saw at the water's edge two boats left there by fishermen who were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and asked him to put out a little from shore. Then he sat down and taught the people from the boat. When he finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into deep water and let down the nets for a catch. Simon answered, Master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything. But because you say so, I will let down the nets. When they'd done so, they caught such a large number of fish, their nets began to break. 
So they signaled their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both boats so full they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me, Lord, I'm a sinful man. For he and all his companions were astonished at the catch of fish they had taken. So were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. Then Jesus said to Simon, Don't be afraid. From now on you will catch men. So they pulled their boats up on shore, left everything, and followed him. You know, Luke gives us a more thorough account of what happened. So in Mark's account, it was the good news is near. Hey, you got to repent, believe the good news, come follow me, and boom. And you just get this impression that instantaneously that was the only part of the story. And you go, wow, I wish I could respond that way. You know, there's a little more to the interaction. Jesus taught in the boats to the crowd. And he gets done teaching and he says, Simon, put out into deep water and let down the nets for a catch. Peter was an expert fisherman. If you looked up his LinkedIn page, it would say fisherman. It's what he had known. It's what he had done. He'd fished these waters. By the way, the Lake of Gennesaret, the Lake um, of Galilee, and the Lake of Tiberias are all the same lake. Three different names. just want to let, let you know that because that's going to come in handy later. But so it was by Capernaum where Peter was from. This was his home. These were the waters that he knew. He knew where all the fishing spots were. And here the carpenter says, put your nets down into deep waters. Peter says what you and I would say. We tried. There's no fish there. We worked hard. Nothing. It's no use. And then he stops and says one of the most crucial things that you and I need to hear from Peter's response. He says, but because you say so, I will let down the nets. You see, Jesus was in the process of redefining Peter's life. Now, Jesus could have done a miracle, and then Peter could have been inspired, and then Peter could have said, okay, Jesus, I want to do whatever you say. But it didn't work that way. Jesus said, no, I need to command you to do something by faith, and then you have to follow through if you want to see the miracle. You know, too often in life, we want Jesus to operate on our terms. So we'll go, well, if Jesus really created me, and if he really wants me to see a different path, then he's got to reveal himself. And Jesus is like, oh yeah, I'm going to, but I'm telling you to let down the nets. And you're saying, no way, I'm not going to do that. Until I'm convinced, I'm not going to respond. Jesus forced Peter to respond by faith before he got to see the miracle of what Jesus could do. You know, there's, there's people in the audience right now 
that Jesus is speaking to, that Jesus is communicating with, that Jesus is trying to redefine your life, and you're where Peter is. There's, there's a part to it where you go, this makes no sense. I don't get it. I'm not sure. I just want to come to church. I want to hear a sermon. I want to hear the music. And then I want to go on about my life. And Jesus is like, no, 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 no. You are not a doorstop. I made you. I know what your value is. I know what you can do. I know what you can accomplish. I'm going to change your definition. But we're wrestling with the faith follow through. You know, yesterday, Reister Darian and I were running a little errand, and we were looking for these little rubber gaskets that are like specialty items. And so, we, you know, we went to one Home Depot and we bought an array of them, and, but there was one that they were out of. And it just so happens that the size we needed was the one that they're out of. So then we went to Lowe's, and Lowe's didn't have anything close to what we needed. And so then we had to go to the other Home Depot on Soledad. Well, fortunately, we got the one we wanted. So after an hour of driving around, we're coming back on Soledad, and there's a really sweet Jag. You know, you know it's a new one. Because the license plate is like seven, you know, T something, something, something. So, you know, it was registered recently. And it's cruising down Soledad and it's dark. And the lights are off on the car. So I do what every concerned citizen would do. I get behind the Jag and I flash my high beams at it multiple times. Because everyone knows that if somebody's doing that, that either means there's a cop who's going to get you for speeding coming up, or you should check your lights. Not this Jag. You know what it did? Radically changes lanes and goes through cars. He did not appreciate my high beam flashing. So Reese and I did what every concerned citizen would do. We got through traffic and got behind him again. Flash, 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 flash. We took off. We persevered. Never turned on his lights. You know, some of you are like the Jag driver. Jesus is flashing the high beams. You say, how? Well, maybe it's a neighbor. You said, you got to study the Bible. You need to study the Bible and see what God has for you. The high beams are flashing. Or maybe you're already in the studies, and that person's studying with you, or those people, they're saying, you got to repent of this sin. High beams. You, you're going to get in a wreck, and you're going to get a ticket, and it's going to be your fault because your lights were off. And you're like, no way. Get away from that. High beam light flasher. You know, Jesus tracks you down. You can weave through traffic. He'll get there. And he's persevering. And Jesus will get you in a situation where he says, okay, here's what you need to do. And you won't be able to respond by sight. 
you have to make a decision by faith. You know, in some cases, we went to church growing up, and we had some terrible experiences. You know, a terrible experience at church will turn you off to Christianity in a hurry. And sometimes we're like, I don't want to mess with the Bible. I was hurting, and I tried God, and nothing happened. And Jesus says, follow me. You say, well, prove it first. No, you got to put the nets down. Jesus may call you to do something that's ridiculous. Something that's in the world's eyes is just silly. Like, who would do that? What fisherman would put his nets down in deep water in midday? Nobody does that. Well, the ones that Jesus asked to do it do. And guess what happens? They get a miraculous catch of fish. You say, what what are those moments that redefine you? What are those moments in the boat with Jesus? Well, it's those moments where you instantly realize there's something far beyond you. You know, when we start living our lives, we, we kind of think that the whole world revolves around us. And then you end up in a situation and something incredible happens, something overwhelming. And all of a sudden your place in the universe is realized and you go, wow. You know, sometimes it's one of those situations where you're feeling like really awesome about your life. And then a window into your heart and into your soul opens up and you realize what's really going on in there. And you start feeling like Peter did. Go away from me. I'm a sinful man. Nobody in here can relate to me. If they knew what was really going on in my heart, they'd run the other way. We feel that way. You know, there's a moment in time for those who follow Jesus where life is redefined. It is an aha moment. It can be terrifying, scary, overwhelming, makes no logical sense. And Jesus still says, let down the nets. Say, what's he looking for? Just like Peter, where we say, man, this is hard. I don't know if I can do that. I don't think this is possible. I don't think this is going to change anything. This doesn't make any sense. You know what, Jesus? But because you say so, I will do it. That's where life is redefined. It's where life is put on his terms. And that's when the doors are open to see what Jesus is truly capable of. Can you imagine what if John Reed... You know, never met that jeweler. You know, I bet $3.50 was a decent sum of money in 1802. But I think that jeweler got a bargain. You know, $100,000 stone. Pretty amazing. You know, I was so fired up about Chris getting baptized. Yo, young, great young man. And hearing him say, Jesus is Lord. And then see his parents, see his sister who's in the campus ministry. 
baptize them into Christ. It's awesome. You know, so proud of the family and just their convictions. But you know what? Even when you got good people around you, it's still a scary individual decision to commit your life to Jesus. Jesus doesn't make it easy. He doesn't make it palatable. Because lordship's required. There's, there's, no, there's no less commitment than lordship. And so that's what he demands. You know, they had to let down the nets. But then when Jesus says, come follow me, then they had to let go of their nets. You know, when Jesus calls you to follow, there's certain things that you just got to let go of. Now, remember, we're talking about how you define your life. We're going to read in the next account that Jesus actually sends Peter out to go fishing. So it doesn't mean that you never fish again. No, but to, to let go of the nets means you are changing how you define yourself. You're, you're changing your priorities. You're changing what comes first. You know, sometimes we want to follow Jesus, but we don't want to let go of anything. You know, that's kind of a Southern California Christianity. You don't need to change your life. Just fit Jesus into what's convenient, and that's cool. No, it's not cool. It's not right. It won't save you. That's not following Jesus. No, you're just following yourself and letting Jesus kind of tag along when it's convenient. When you follow Jesus, it's on his terms. So what are you afraid to let go of? Because sometimes it's, it's our security. If I let go of this, then I'm going to be afraid. You know, you can't walk by faith without making decisions that you're not totally sure what's going to happen. If you've been hurt before, that's scary. Because you go, well, if I trust, what if something bad happens? What if somebody sins against me? Well, let me just burst that bubble. There's a 100% chance that one's going to happen. But what do you have to let go of? Maybe it's a commitment that you made to something. You go, I don't want to flake. You know, it's amazing to me how we won't want to flake on worldly commitments, but we can flake on following Jesus to have integrity with a worldly commitment. No, it doesn't work that way. You don't flake on the Lord. Everything else comes after. So remember, Jesus made you. He defined you. It's about his created intent in your life. Now, we're going to move on to point two, which I called a booster shot. Go over to Matthew 17. You know, a booster shot is what you get. What, you know, you had an initial vaccination about a disease, but then over time it gets weak. So you get a booster shot to re-up your immunity. You know, sometimes we need that spiritually where, where, where we start in a good place. We're following Jesus. We're doing well. And then, you know, we just need the message kind of 
re-input again. We just need those commitments strengthened. We need our faith boosted again. This is one of those times, and this is a really cool story in, in Matthew 17. Verse 24. After Jesus and his disciples arrived in Capernaum, the collectors of the two drachma tax came to Peter and asked, Doesn't your teacher pay the temple tax? Yes, he does, he replied. When Peter came into the house, Jesus was the first to speak. What do you think, Simon, he asked, from who do the kings of the earth collect duty and taxes from? Their own sons or from others? From others, Peter answered. Then the sons are exempt. Jesus said to him, but so that we may not offend them, go to the lake and throw out your line. Take the first fish you catch, open its mouth, and you will find a four drachma coin. Take it and give it to them for my tax and yours. Now, that's just a cool story about the power of Jesus. You say, what, what was all this about? Was it really about paying the tax? I think this is a booster shot for Peter. But so, you know, you got these uh, collectors of the two drachma tax. Now, just to understand, these were not, you know, collect, guys collecting a Roman tax. The two drachma tax actually originated in the Old Testament when they counted the Jewish men and every male over 20 had to give a half shekel. And that was for the work of the Lord. But there was an exemption. If you were a priest, you didn't have to, to give that tax. And so this was, this was a spiritual collection for the work of Judaism. And so these guys come to Peter. And, and you've got to love Peter. Does your master not pay this tax? He's like, no, he does. I mean, that is such a Peter answer. He didn't know if he did or he didn't. But he assumed the best. And that's just a, that's a different sermon, but that's a good point. You know, if Jesus is leading you, just always assume the best about Jesus. That's, that's good. So I love it. You know, so Peter's now committed Jesus. He's like, yeah, he's, yeah, he pays. And, and he goes in to talk to Jesus. And you wonder how Peter's feeling. Because, you know, Peter might be a little nervous. He's committed his Lord to pay this tax. But he didn't run it by Jesus first. You ever done that? You know, it's like when kids ask, hey, Dad, can so-and-so spend the night? And, and the kid's right there. Remember, you gave birth to sneaky, sneaky children. We finally told our kids, if you ask me in front of your friend, the answer is no, even if I'm willing. So we put an end to that. You know, it's like you asked me in private. Anyways, that's parenting. Okay. So Peter has committed Jesus to pay this tax. But he didn't run it by Jesus. So he walks on into the room. And Jesus speaks to him first. And he, I just love this. He's like, Peter, I got a question. You know, Simon, who do the kings of the earth collect duty and taxes from their own sons or from others? He's like, well, from others. And he goes, then the sons are exempt. And the word there means free. Okay? You're not obligated. It doesn't apply to you. He said, ah, so that we don't offend them. Go to the lake. 
Like, do you think Jesus couldn't have just reached in his pocket? And here's four drachma coin. Go pay the tax. We're done with it. He could have said, you know what? I'm the son of God. I don't have to pay this. And neither do you. Because we're, we're Christians. We're son of God. They don't collect duty from us. We're sons. Jesus is like, no, no, no. Let's not hassle. Let's not offend him. So he sends Peter to the lake next to Capernaum, which is the lake of Galilee, Genezaret, Tiberias. So the same waters he's always fished. So just, just put a line out there. The first fish you catch, just open its mouth, and there's a four drachma coin inside. You say, well, why would Jesus have Peter go through all that trouble when he could have just handed him a coin and said, go deal with it? The same reason why Jesus puts us in situations Sometimes extraordinary circumstances. Sometimes it's just a matter of not offending anybody. And he's like, all right, here's what we're going to do. Now, I want you to imagine for a moment what it would take for this miracle to occur. So somebody somewhere had to drop a four drachma coin into the lake. Then a fish had to go scoop this up in its mouth. Not swallow it, but just swim around holding it in its mouth. And then it had to just wait so that when Peter cast the line in with the four drachma coin in its mouth, go over and bite the hook so that Peter could bring it in so it could open its mouth and get the coin. So why would Jesus go through all that trouble? Because... Peter needed a booster shot. We're going to see a little bit later in life. He needed another booster shot because he struggled. And then he needed some help at the end. You know, for some of us, our, our faith is weak. Our commitment is weak. We started a journey in good frame of mind. We were doing well. We understood. I get it. I get it. I'm not a doorstop. I'm a big hunk of gold. You made me for incredible reasons. And I have a life, that, a, a purpose that's so much more than just what I would define myself on a resume. I got it. And we start living that life, and lives are changing around us. We're affecting people for an eternity. And then we hit some bumps in the road. We hit some potholes. And even though we're around Jesus, we're around Christianity, we have the Bible. Our faith and our commitment can weaken. And our Lord looks down and he goes, Oh, I got a good one for you. And he and he sends you back. You know, maybe to the lake that you always fished. And he and he carefully crafts a miracle that involves how you used to define yourself. And then he does something totally amazing with it. Just to say, hey, remember who you're following. I can put gold coins in fish's mouths. 
said, what's he doing in your life right now? How's he trying to boost your faith? Okay, Peter had to go to the lake again and fish because Jesus told him to. Like, can you imagine? Bob doesn't record any conversations about this. But can you imagine his buddies? Hey, what are you doing? Fishing. Why? Well, because I'm going to get a four drachma gold coin in the first fish I catch. Peter went believing. And sure enough, that's what happened. But once again, Jesus said, I have something for you to do by faith. And then he saw the miracle. It was a booster shot. And finally, there's times where we're in a real pickle and we need to be redefined again. And we're going to look in John 21. If you know the story of Peter's life at the Last Supper, he's bragging about his commitment to Jesus. And Jesus is like, you know, Peter, you're in big trouble. Um, in fact, before the rooster crows, you're going to disown me three times. And he's like, no way, even if I have to die with you, I will never disown you. And sure enough, Peter goes out there with Jesus looking on, disowns him because he's afraid of the accusation from a little girl. So he's not feeling too good. Well, in John 21, we pick up the story and and Jesus now resurrected from the dead. It says, afterward, Jesus appeared again. To his disciples by the Sea of Tiberias. Remember, Galilee, Genezareth, same, same lake. It happened this way. Simon Peter and the guys uh, were together. And then look at what Simon Peter says. I'm going out to fish. And they said, well, we'll go with you. So they went out, got into the boat. But that night, they caught nothing. Now, isn't it ironic? Here's Peter just stinking it out spiritually. He's learned from Jesus that he has this amazing life of what he was created for, that you're going to be a fisher of men. You're not a fisherman. You're a fisher of men. Jesus gave him a new name and he lived with him and he witnessed all these great miracles and you're going to change the world. You're going to have the Holy Spirit and you're going to go and you're going to preach the gospel everywhere and I'm going to rise from the dead and Jesus raises from the dead. But Peter's just stinking it out and maybe you can relate to Peter. Do you know what we do when we stink it out? We go back to our old way of defining our life. We go back to our resume. We lose God's created intent, and we start trying to make a name for ourselves here. You know, the fact is, the other disciples, they weren't like, Peter, now we're supposed to change the world, remember? We need to be out sharing our faith. Peter's like, I'm going to go fish. They're like, all right, we'll go too. Just so happens, they fish all night. Catch nothing. Yeah, you ever wonder if like right about then, you know, you go back and you try and create a name for yourself with the old definition. You're frustrated and you're empty. Like, do you ever stop and go, well, this is dumb. I've already done this before. 
Like, that's why I gave it up and went Jesus' way. And then we're doing lousy, so we go back to the old way, and we're, we're going through the same thing again, and we still don't get it. And look at this. Early in the morning, Jesus stood on shore, but the disciples did not realize that it was Jesus. Now, I don't know how this happened. But the Bible just wants us to know they had no idea it was Jesus. I don't know if they were just so much in a fog. I don't know if Jesus' appearance was different. So they they didn't. I don't know why. But the scriptures wanted you and I to know that the disciples did not realize it was Jesus. (laughs) You got to love Jesus. He has a sense of humor. Hey, friends. Haven't you any fish? You know, you just love the Lord here. You kind of, hey, notice you guys were fishing for a long time. How many did you get? Nothing. We got none. You know, I, I, in my mind's eyes, Jesus is smiling and chuckling right about now. Hey, throw your net on the right side of the boat. And you'll find some. It's still... Nobody. Like, as soon as he says that, Peter's not going, wait, I think I've been through this before. Okay, I need to repent. Still doesn't get it. When they did, they were unable to haul the net in because of the large number of fish. Then the disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, and I love John's gospel. He always calls himself the disciple whom Jesus loved. Matthew, Mark, and Luke do not write that about John, but John writes that about himself. Anyway, that's awesome. And basically what he's saying is, hey, I figured it out first. I was the one. I said, it's the Lord. And then Peter gets fired up, and he jumps into the water, and he swims to shore because he's so fired up. He wants to get to Jesus. And they they just have, have all this amazing catch of fish. The Bible says that the nets didn't break. Jesus is like, bring some of the fish you've caught. And we're going to have a fish fry, and we're going to have breakfast, and it's amazing. And then I love uh, partway through verse 12, it says, None of the disciples dared ask him, Who are you? But they knew it was the Lord. Okay, so it's another one of those moments of redefining. You know, and you get off track, and God comes to you, and you have this epic confrontation, and you're like, Oh. Man, what am I doing? It's like, okay, I know this is from God, but, but I don't want to say anything. Okay, so you can relate. Then he reinstates Peter. And I want to, you know, that's, that's Peter needed some help because he was doing lousy. And so he's like, do, do you love me? And Peter's like, yeah, I'm your friend. Do you really love me? Yeah, I'm your friend. You know, and then he, he, he goes in verse 18, I tell you the truth, when you were younger, You dressed yourself and went where you wanted. But when you're old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. Then he said to him, follow me. Jesus once again redefines his life. He says, you're not a doorstop. I created you for so much more. Follow me. 
So there's a cross waiting for you at the end. But follow me. And then it says in verse 20, Peter turned and saw that the disciple whom Jesus loved was following them. This was the one who had leaned back against Jesus at the supper and said, Lord, who's going to betray you? When Peter saw him, he asked, Lord, what about him? Now, I actually think the Bible has given us insight into some of Peter's problems. Because when you follow Jesus, that's something between you and Jesus. But you get messed up on what your created intent is when you're trying to define your life from somebody else's perspective. What do my parents think? What do my neighbors think? What does this person think? What does my coach think? Or my teacher? Or my coworkers? Or my boss? Or my employees? What do they think? You know, I think Peter was too concerned with what other people thought. Even a little servant girl. So he denied Jesus. Jesus said, you've got to get your eyes on me. It's follow me. And then he says, John and Jesus have this little conversation. He's like, well, what about him? And Jesus, in verse 22, he goes, if I want him to remain alive until I return, what's that to you? You must follow me. Jesus looks at Peter and he goes, quit worrying about John. He said, your life is defined by following me. What John does has no bearing on you following me. Any of us need our life redefined? Any of us lost sight of following Jesus and life's become more about what people think instead of what the Lord thinks? You know, Jesus didn't really make it complicated. He said, there's a cross waiting for you at the end. Follow me. Yeah, life's really simple if you just think, what would following Jesus look like in this situation? But we complicate it when we bring other perspectives in the situation. Jesus made you. He defines the proper use of your life. It is not... Fishing for fish. Now you can do that, but that's not who you are. That's not how he defines you. And some of us are in a barren wasteland right now, trying to go back to the old way we defined ourselves to try and find meaning and answers and value in something other than the created intent that Jesus put into you when he made you. And that path is empty and fruitless every time. Any fulfillment you find is going to last for a moment. And some of us are dropping our nets and we haven't caught anything. And Jesus is crying out. He's flashing the headlights in the rearview mirror. Stop changing lanes and check your lights. If Jesus is speaking to you, if the Holy Spirit's convicting you, stop running from it and embrace it and go, okay. Why? Because you're not a doorstop. Jesus didn't create you to take up space. He's got a mission and a purpose, and it's a glorious one. How do we get there? Step of faith. You get the miracle after the step of faith. You get the proof after the step of faith. 
Yeah, just like Peter. We're going to have those moments where we go, this doesn't make any sense. This seems crazy. This is too hard. I don't have enough time in the week. See, Jesus is even calling right now on the phone. But every single one of us needs to find it in our heart like Peter to go, but because you say so, I'll do it. You know what's waiting on the other side? Nets full of large fishes. Although, you know, my nets, they wouldn't be full of large fishes. It'd be full of large steaks. Because that would be way more glorious. Wrapped in bacon, thick bacon. Really good bacon, yeah. You say, what's on the other side? We don't know. But Jesus made you. He defined your life. And he wants each one of us to fulfill what he created us for. Let's take those steps of faith. Let's make those decisions. Let's stop changing lanes and embrace it. Let's stand as we close in a final song.